0: Okay. okay. Okay, that was my intro. Welcome to the Environmental Justice Report with me, your host, Janine Moloff. Well, tonight... It's going to be a little loose because this is a story that just keeps growing. You know, this is the show, the Environmental Justice Report, where we talk about any host of issues relating to the environmental justice movement, not just here in the U.S., but worldwide. But this is here in the U.S. And the story that I'm going to talk about tonight is something we've already touched upon a couple times before, but it keeps growing. And so this story is about massive arrogance and i'm speaking to the arrogance hypocrisy and criminal contempt for democracy itself and legitimate rule of law that we see evidenced from corporate and from the billionaire class specifically this time i'm referring to a group called the mackinac center and all of its glorious hypocrisy now As you recall, the Mackinac Center is an alleged nonprofit think tank funded by multiple conservative billionaires with a lion's share coming from the DeVos family. So if you're wondering about the name DeVos, that's the Amway fortune. That's Betsy DeVos, who was our erstwhile secretary of education under Trump. Um, Her brother is Eric Prince, the founder of, um, oh, Lord of a mercenary group. And so we go on and on and on. And Mackinac doesn't actually disclose its donors individually, but we were able to find out some things anyway. So Mackinac is also loosely, or not so loosely, affiliated with the Heritage Foundation, as well as ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council. But Mackinac is really heavy. They're, they're based in Michigan, where DeVos is from. And the Mackinac Center is adamantly anti-union, anti-democracy, and pro-corporate. And this time, the alleged, I guess, scholars, if you were at Mackinac, are screaming foul over some FOIA requests, that's Freedom of Information Act, that weren't answered as quickly as Mackinac demanded. Now, the FOIA requests pertain to the ongoing Flint Water case. You remember, where basically because of an emergency manager law, which dismantled local governance, including publicly elected governance, and it resulted in basically the poisoning of the residents of Flint and then also Detroit. So in this discussion, I'm gonna cover the request from Mackinac in light of the fact that the emergency manager law in Michigan, which caused the water crisis in Flint and elsewhere, and was passed by GOP Governor Rick Snyder, was based on a template pushed by that same Mackinac Center. Now, while blood is on Mackinac's corporate think tank metaphorical hands, they continue to scream foul. So I'm gonna revisit the emergency manager law in Michigan, its attempted repeal, Snyder's overwritten version, aided and abetted by a GOP legislature that led to a series of events which poisoned the people of Flint and especially the children of Flint. And I'm gonna do this within the context of the, the absolute gall of the scholars at Mackinac screaming because their FOIA request wasn't answered as promptly as they would have liked. So the first document I'm talking about is directly from the Mackinac Center Legal Foundation. And the title is suing the state to see Flint water documents. Okay. And they're complaining that they waited 121 days for the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality to basically respond to this FOIA request. And so because it took 121 days, Mackinac Center filed a lawsuit against the department, and they asked the court to enforce the state's open records law. Now, keep in mind, journalists are often stonewalled like this, but we don't get paid the kind of big bucks that these think tanks people do. So, and what were they looking for? MACNAC was looking for any and all emails from department employees within that department, okay, within the Department of Environmental Quality, But uh, and they were asking for all emails from specific department employees, one named Leon Schechter-Smith and another one named Stephen Bush, and they were looking from 2013 to 2015. And they were looking for documents that, get this, contained the word Flint. Oh, that's that's a really good search, isn't it? The center also requests the names of, quote, any employees transferred, reassigned, or suspended as a result of the Flint water issues, end quote. And then the request wanted the current job titles of Schechter, Smith, and Bush. Okay. So the department said that they would need only four and a half hours of staff time, according to Mackinac you know, for the Department of Environmental Quality to fulfill this request. And Mackinac wrote a, a check for $114.35 to cover the cost, I guess, of printing or whatever. And they noted that the request that the the check was cashed months before the department provided the information. Now it's true. Having to wait four months for a FOIA request is pretty outrageous. Okay. Keep in mind, though, they. Mackinac went on to complain that, quote, generally government agencies have 15 days to respond to a records request. Well, end quote, that's not exactly true. According to the U.S. government um, guidelines uh, at USGS.gov, the government has from 6 to 20 days to respond to a FOIA request. Now, that's not a big difference. So you would think that a high-priced think tank such as Mackinac would have their attorneys bother to cite accurate guidelines. And you have to remember, too, that this is a, I guess, a witch hunt on their part. Okay? Um, excuse me. So looking for things with a name Flint in it. You know, to me, that really sounds like, They're trying to find, I don't know, someone to squeeze. I don't know. And the letter from MACNAC goes on to saying that, quote, an accountable government must be transparent, especially during times of crisis, end quote. And my response is I couldn't agree more. Now, in all fairness, this particular request was fairly recent. In other words, during COVID. So, Maybe there was a legitimate reason. I don't know. So they went to court, and Mackinac was also quoted as saying, quote, our FOIA FOIA laws must guarantee people of all views access to timely information to fully participate in the democratic process, end quote. Quote, people in the press have a right to transparency, even if it's inconvenient to the government agency, end quote. Now, these quotes are from Patrick Wright, who's the director of the Mackinac Center Legal Foundation. Well, that sounds all very nice. I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is the utter gall and arrogance of Mackinac. Keep in mind, it was their template for the emergency manager law in Michigan that led to the Flint water crisis. And now they're trying to find, I guess, somebody to intimidate. So... We go on and, you know, we're going to go back and we're going to revisit, okay, because the Mackinac Center really had a strong arm presence in terms of the emergency manager law in Flint. Now, there's other states that have emergency manager laws, but the one in Michigan under Rick Snyder was particularly egregious. All right, it, it, is, it basically... It basically allowed emergency managers to set aside and nullify democratic rule in local communities. They were just throwing out elected people, and the manager was an appointed dictator, and the only crime these communities committed was being poor. Now, correct me, but I don't think I'm wrong about this. Exactly where in the U.S. Constitution does it say that any legislative body has the right to do this? has a right to tell people, any person, much less a poor community, that they don't have a right to democratic law, that they don't have a right to have their votes res- the re- result of their votes respected. You know what? It doesn't. You would think that the attorneys at Mackinac would know this, and I'm sure they do. So we go back a little ways here, and there's an article I have here from 2016, and it's from Greenpeace. And it goes back a little further, and the title the headline is what the Koch brothers have to do with the Flint water crisis. Well, the Kochs, through their foundation, are have always been a big donor to MAPNAC, along with the DeVos family, along with the Walton family of Walmart and some others. So this was by Cassidy Craighill in March of 2016. And the first line says, it all really, quote, the water crisis in Flint, Michigan, is the tragic result of the wrong people in power, end quote. And the next line is, quote, clean drinking water is a right, not a privilege. Okay, and that's quoting also UN.org, Water for Life, Decade, Human Right to Water. And it is, but apparently, not on Mackinac's radar. They seemed only concerned with obtaining records on political opponents, but, you know, once again, Mackinac cared about basically subduing these poor communities. They didn't see what clean drinking water is right no matter what they said. And so this poor, predominantly black community north of Detroit lost that right because the people in power took shortcuts and special interests. So what happened with the drinking water in Flint? And it's basically this. Um, you know, you have different sources of water in Michigan, all right? Now, uh, this article goes on to ask the question, if you had a choice to drink water from, like, a beautiful, pristine lake like Lake Huron or have water from a city river with filled with industrial runoff and sewage and chemicals that were so corrosive that they tore apart auto parts, not kidding, like the Flint River, which one would you choose? Well, of course, you choose the lake. But the people of Flint weren't afforded that option, okay? So, and what makes the Flint River so horrible in part is that it has high levels of chloride, and this is according to RollingStone.com. Um, the headline was, WTF, What the Fuck is Happening in the Flint Water Crisis? Explain." And the high levels of chloride makes the water so corrosive that it's almost impossible to sanitize. It's incredibly difficult to sanitize. And the corrosive quality of that water basically is like a magnet, according to the writer, to lead, you know, lead as in lead poisoning. Keep in mind, there is no safe amount of lead that any person can be exposed to or ingest, period. And it's particularly damaging to children. But here's the thing. The Flint, water, the Flint River water had high levels of chloride. The chloride basically made the water very corrosive, made it extremely difficult to sanitize, and the, the corrosive quality was like a magnet to lead, so you had lead in there too, and lead showed up in the drinking water, and this is the drinking water that went to homes and children of Flint. Okay, keep in mind, what is Mackinac Center worried about after all this stuff comes to the surface? and? It's shown, the emergency manager law was at fault, and it's shown that basically these people are guilty. They're worried about whether a FOIA request is responded to quickly. And it was probably, they were probably requesting any sort of data on political opponents in this case. Okay, lead poisoning, even low levels, is very dangerous. It can cause severe cognitive and developmental issues in children. And so basically the people of Flint were poisoned because the emergency manager switched their water supply and didn't care whether or not the water could be sanitized, okay? And now what we're finding out is that, and again, as of 2016, that Michigan health officials are saying really that every child under the age of six in Flint should be considered officially lead-exposed, okay? now. During this whole period of time, because this really started like around 2011, um, General Motors got a special reprieve because they said that the Flint water wasn't good enough for their auto parts. It was It was corroding their auto parts. So they struck a deal, and they received water from Detroit instead. So who decided to switch the water from... A clean source to the Flint River, this is where Mackinac enters the picture. So Rick Snyder, who's now under prosecution actually, former governor Rick Snyder was elected in 2011, and he he uh, tapped several emergency financial managers. That's what they're called, or EM managers. And this, were, this was specifically targeted for poor communities. Now. Apart from the anti-democracy act that these emergency managers posed, we have to add premeditated poisoning of Flint's children, so it was to save money. So Flint's water was switched from Lake Huron to the Flint River. Okay? And then to ensure that this switch wasn't going to poison not only the people of Flint, but especially their children, and, and forever damage their lives there needed to be a way to sanitize this highly corrosive poisonous water from the Flint River but that system wasn't provided. Okay? You heard me. The very need to sanitize the water from the Flint River was, that was ne- absolutely necessary was not provided. And the, the emergency manager law made sure that these EM managers were protected from any sort of prosecution or civil lawsuit as recommended by Mackinac. And the emergency managers were appointed by Governor Snyder. And, you know, you would, this is as diabolical evil as really, uh, you know, some hyper criminal like the Joker in a Batman movie, seriously. Now, what did they hope to achieve? by risking the lives of the adults and the futures of Flint's children. They're going to save $1 million. Keep in mind, it's going to cost them more to treat these children, but that's it, $1 million. So basically, if you divide $1 million by the number of people in Flint, you know, that's what it's saying that a person of color's life is worth, especially if you're poor. Now, who gave... Who provided this idea? Okay, Switch Flint's water. You know, guess who? The Mackinac Center. Okay, think tank. They're funded by the DeVos family in large part. They were, it was quoted in Jane Mayer's book Dark Money, and the quote was, "Quote few play bigger roles than the DeVos's in bankrolling the conservative movement." Okay. Um, And it goes on to say, a fraction of the DeVos' enormous wealth has been used to fund conservative think tanks like the Mackinac Center, which is a conservative think tank and offshoot of the D.C.-based Heritage Foundation, end quote. There it is. And then you've got the Koch brothers as well. But some of the biggest financial backers of Mackinac are the DeVos family and their foundations and the Kochs. And that's according to MotherJones.com. In okay, fact, Dick DeVos, Betsy's husband, served on the board. So Snyder became governor in 2011, and then he moved very quickly to push the emergency manager law, and it allowed appointed, not elected, appointed city managers to not only privatize city services, they could cancel union contracts, and they could get this dissolve local, locally elected governments. Now. I know there are lawyers that work for Mackinac. Please show me where in the Constitution or any body of law that's legitimate, that is, where a legislature has the right to dissolve a local government, to rid themselves of the democratically elected people in government. You know, we saw the media jump all over the insurgents that were trying to basically throw out the election, throw out Biden's election through the events of January 6th. But where was the concern when there was a move, not just a move, but it happened, where there was a dissolution of a local government just like that? That the state legislature passed the law that said if you go broke if your city is poor you know what the governor can appoint an emergency manager and guess what your government's been dissolved the fact that you elected these people does not matter you have no rights none the only law is the law dictated by that emergency manager Period. Show me where in a body of law that is legitimate. And they won't because they can't. I mean, it might be legitimate in, I don't know, Saudi Arabia, some other banana republic, but not here. Keep in mind, if it happens in Flint, it's going to happen elsewhere. In my hometown of St. Louis, we had a mini version of it back in 2003 where the state legislature and then it was a Democratic governor of Missouri, Jay Nixon, where they decided that they were going to throw out the results of a publicly elected school board in St. Louis City. And they did. And they dissolved that school board. And then they they had some appointed people and these appointed appointed, uh, state-based advisory group they brought in a new person to be superintendent. Okay? Who was it? Alvarez and Marcel William Roberti. You know, the guy who used to be CEO of Brooks Brothers. Now he was CEO of the St. Louis Public Schools in 2003. It happens all over. We cannot, and that's what the story is really about. We cannot allow. The state legislatures to overwrite our rights to elect our government. We just can't. And it happens basically in poor communities and communities of color. We cannot allow this any longer. And everyone associated with this needs to not only be sued civilly, they need to be criminally charged. Because what they did is they they just threw out the government. And took over. How is that not a form of insurrection? Because it is. And that's what they did here in Michigan. So not only did they privatize city services and cancel union contracts, they dissolved local governments. When that happens, that legislature, that state legislature, is saying your vote, my vote doesn't count. Unless, of course, the very rich want to allow our votes to count. That's not a democracy. That's oligarchy. And Snyder did this, all this under the influence of the Mackinac Center. And in his emergency manager law, he included all the recommendations of the think tank. Now, regarding the power and ability of these emergency managers, again, One of those managers chose to cut costs by by forcing the people of Flint to drink water from the Flint River that was untreated, that was corrosive, that had lead in it, high levels of chloride that would later end up poisoning their children. Flint is not an accident. It was premeditated, and it is, according to this article, and I agree, it is a premeditated act of systemic racism. And everybody associated with it has to be held accountable, not just Governor Snyder, but the people from Mackinac, the emergency managers, every single one of them. Democrat, Republican, I don't care. It's this ideological agenda that your vote and my vote don't count. That the rich can literally dissolve our local governments. Because we don't have enough money. And why do we not have enough money for public services? Hmm. Because what? Corporate took the factories and put them overseas? Because corporate and the billionaire class refused to pay their fair share in taxes? Leaving very few jobs. And then their final death knell is fiscal austerity, which is basically nothing more than the fiscal or the economic crack of the slave whip. I know I'm getting very emotional about this tonight, but this, I can give you all the facts. We talked about them before. This is treason, pure and simple. It is treason to the idea of economic government, I'm sorry, democratic governance, right? So we look at this once again and we know every single child in Flint, and probably some in Detroit, have to be treated for lead. Okay? And it the the first the first um warnings came from I call her the solitary I could say hero, the solitary shiro, Doctor Monahana Atisha. And then she said all children under the age of six should be treated with some kind of prevention. Um, and this was, this was from a, a piece by the Detroit Free Press on lead exposure in kids of Flint. Um, and, you know, this is the doc, she's the doctor that forced the state to acknowledge the lead problem in Flint and the state itself. And it was caused by switching the water. And what happened in Detroit in 2014, the city switched again from using Detroit's water system. I'm sorry, yeah. This is the one where Detroit uses Lake Huron and the people Flint were subjected to the Flint River. The same river that is so corrosive that it damages auto parts. I just can't get that out of my mind. So you know, she went on, and apparently there was a rec- there was a report by the state, um, and what they was they conducted from October and December 2015, and it showed just a small portion of the number exposed had elevated blood levels. But the article went on to say the small sample was really limited artificially to protect the state by hiding the true data. And that's because the test only measured the amount of lead in a person's blood, but that decreases after about 30 days. And so that's according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. And the CDC goes on to say, by then the damage is already done. So testing done one day doesn't represent past exposure. And unfortunately, once lead is in a child's bloodstream, it goes through the body, but especially the bones, teeth, and soft tissue. It accumulates in the body over time. And blood te- blood lead tests that only identify recent or ongoing exposure to lead don't measure the overall lead burden in the body. And there is no safe level of lead in the body ever, and that's according to the CDC. Okay. And then that, does, that study didn't all... The, the, the testing didn't include also any unborn kids where maybe mom drank painted water during a pregnancy unwittingly or children and pregnant women maybe lived outside of Flint but were exposed when they visited grandma or something. Okay. And the source of that article um, was Environmental Systems Research Institute. Okay. Now, Mother Jones... Andy Kroll does a wonderful piece that we've talked about before from 2011, and the headline is Behind Michigan's Financial Martial Law, Corporations and Right-Wing Billionaires. And that's really what the Emergency Manager Law is. It is financial martial law. It has no legal legitimacy. You know, too many legislators think that if they pass a law, that everybody has to obey. And they don't think that any laws they consider must pass constitutional muster, that they must represent justice. They don't care about that. It's just an uh, exercise in raw power. So the EM law, again, the Sneak Thieves Mackinac Center. Okay? And they had four recommendations and we talked about these before, granting emergency managers the power to override elected officials. If you can override elected officials, that means that they don't really have any power anymore. You can toss out union contact, contracts. Um, according to Doug Pratt, the Public Affairs Director at the Michigan Education Association, quote, the Mackinac Center has been tied at the hip with the Republican Party establishment for years it goes to the funding sources. It goes to the ideology, end quote. Mackinac's part of a network associated with the Heritage Foundation. Okay? Um, past and present board members of Mackinac include Robert Peter, who is a GOP strategist and was the 92 campaign manager for George H.W. Bush. It also includes Margaret Riker, who is a former vice chairman of the Republic chairwoman. Of the republican national committee and joseph lehman who's a former vice president at the libertarian cato institute in washington again mackinac does not disclose its donors but they should be forced to but apparently andy crawl did a review of their tax records and it showed the group's funders included charitable foundations for many of uh our country's largest corporations between 2002 and 2009, Mackinac Center's donors included the Charles G. Koch Foundation, all right, um, the Dick and Betsy DeVos Foundation, Edgar and Elsa Prince Foundation, again, that's the parents of Blackwater mercen- Blackwater founder Eric Prince, Blackwater was a group of mercenaries, and the Walton Family Foundation, that's Walmart, okay, Mackinac pushes privatization, which, in my opinion, is PR double talk for unilateral surrender to the rich. Okay? So we go on, and one of the guys who went on to be an emergency manager, actually, I think in a place called Pontiac, named Louis Schimmel. And in 05, he wrote a piece from the Mackinac Center, because he's one of their dubious scholars. And it's not been penned by Lewis Schimmel. And the title was, Can Detroit's Problems Be Corrected by an Emergency Financial Manager? So you can see the pressure that Mackinac was applying all along. And, you know, he's talking about how they have to have an emergency financial manager, in this instance for Detroit, to deal with what he called continual mismanagement and financial mess. But my question to Mr. Schimmel and Mackinac and all these people pushing this anti-democracy solution, which is emergency managers, how is such continual mismanagement and financial crisis actually determined? What are the criterion? And where are the accountability and transparency measures of emergency managers? Also, how can any state legislature strip a community of their right to democratic rule simply because they're poor? Show me the legal precedent that gives them that power. They can't because there isn't any. Now, Mr. Schimmel in 05 was complaining under current law that the emergency financial manager doesn't have all the tools they need. And he identified four major problems, and these were all solved. The first one was, under current law, the EFM can be sued personally. Mr. Schimmel didn't like that. So they made sure under the law in 011 that you know, so uh, so many years later that the emergency financial manager's personal assets were totally protected. And they did that by making the emergency financial manager, get this, an employee of the state treasury department, so they could access the legal staff. This was all Schimmel's idea. And he just said, you know, harassing lawsuits just are going to get in the way. And he also said the present act in 05, you know, list the powers of EFM which are extensive but are not all inclusive. Okay. And he went on to complain, quote, this can allow the governing body to impede the overall effort of the EFM to deal with the municipality's fiscal crisis. The action states that the EFM, in other words, the Emergency Financial Manager, replaces and takes on the power powers of the governing body. Now, this is from Lewis Schimmel in 05. And the Law in 11 actually reflected these changes. And this, to me, is the most vile provision of all. I'll say it again. Exactly where in the U.S. Constitution or in any body of legitimate law, legal precedent, does it grant the rich the right to strip the poor of their right to democratic rule? Mr. Schimmel shouldn't worry so much about being sued civilly. He and other EMF managers should face not only civil pro, civil lawsuits, they should face criminal charges. Okay? So once again, Mr. Schimmel, you know, you know, he just thinks he's just everything, I guess. And oh, here's another Mackinac scholar, James M. Holman, who wrote in 2011, Mackinac Center recommendations found in new financial emergency legislation. And that was, House Bill 4214, and reform the process that, quote, prevents local governments from going bankrupt. Now, I can understand if a bankruptcy judge says, look, you guys have some choices here. But you also have to look at the causes of the bankruptcy, you know, such as the rich evading their taxes. So, once again, um, protecting emergency management litigation was in the law. Increase the scope of the manager's authority to cover all areas. In other words, kick out elected governments. Allow the manager to move around charter provisions. Okay, so that means you can cut uh, cut staff, forget about union contracts, and give the manager more opportunity to reform union agreements. In other words, union vesting. Okay, so... We're going over and over again, and, and it's because this, this disrespect for rule of law, these anti-democracy forces are that appalling. And what got me started tonight was seeing how Mackinac Center was complaining that their FOIA request wasn't, wasn't uh, acted upon quickly enough, and it had to do with the Flint case. Because they had to find fault with something, and I guess this is part of their—they're their, uh, trying to push this false equivalence argument again. It doesn't work. So, Arn Pearson wrote a piece in 2016 on the same thing, okay, and he called it you know basically how Mac you know how these billionaires quote fund the war on local democracy. And that's what this really is. All right. This is a war on local democracy because at the local level, elections aren't as expensive. They can't really buy it as easily as they do at the statewide or the federal level. Okay. And Mackinac is at the root of it. All right. So Rick Snyder got into office. He signed into law Public Act four which basically gives these emergency man- managers the right to kick out elected uh, officials in local- locales where emergency manager has been assigned. Okay? And this means that if an emergency financial manager wanted to, not just financially, but wanted to tell the police, we're going to have martial law because I don't want people complaining, theoretically, they can get away with it under this. Uh, Louis Schimmel, once again, is behind a lot of this push. And, you know, basically these emergency man- managers get legal immunity from any liability, okay, because of their action. So whoever made, whichever manager made the decision to switch the Flint's water from Lake Huron to the Flint River, it can't be sued. Okay, so if your kid went from being bright to mentally deficient because of lead exposure, oh, well, you can't sue that guy. You can't get any justice for the person who, is, who made this order, who is responsible. Okay. And so, and then you've got Shimmel. also. Schimmel was an emergency manager in Pontiac City, and he was the first person that Snyder appointed as an emergency manager in Pontiac, which is Schimmel's hometown. So people got very angry at Mr. Schimmel. You know, he fired city officials. He privatized the public works department. Um, People were angry, but they had no authority to make any decisions. And then a local radio station asked uh, Schimmel if the emergency manager law made him a dictator. And here's what Schimmel said quote, I guess I'm the tyrant in Pontiac then if that's the way it is, end quote. Okay? But Schimmel was slapped a bit by State Court Judge Rayleigh Chabot who reversed the man- his action to cut pa- Pontiac's pension board in, ha- in half because that decision ignored legal requirements of Michigan Open Meetings Act. And Judge Chabot said, quote, It looks like a dictatorship, end quote. That's according to michiganradio.org. So Schimmel helped create this law. You have to understand this. All right? Um, And then his predecessor, Michael Stampler, flexed his muscles. He outsourced the city's water treatment to United Water Services in Pontiac. And... United Water Services is a for-profit water company. They had just been indicted by a federal grand jury in 2010, a year before, and they've been indicted on 26 felony counts, not only of conspiracy, but Clean Water Act violations for the way they mishandled water services in Gary, Indiana. Okay, so this is just one criminal act after another. Okay. So this is really just making democracy a big joke. So then there were a lot of protests and the people of Michigan got together and they pushed a voter initiative called proposal 1 for the no- November 2012 flat ballot. And the idea was to repeal uh Snyder's emergency manager law, okay? And it worked. They did repeal it. Okay? On November 6, 2012, 53% of Michigan voters cast ballots to repeal the emergency manager law under Rick Snyder, but that didn't stop Snyder. Nope, not even a month later, he pushed, Snyder pushed through another bill that was just pretty much the same thing, tweaked a little bit through the lame duck legislature, and it restored all those unconstitutional powers to emergency managers. But this time, Snyder added an appropriation Okay, according to Daily Cause, this appropriation meant that under Michigan law, this particular bill, this particular law, would prevent it from being subject to referendum. So not only did he, did Snyder disregard the will of the people in a, a statewide initiative that repealed the emergency manager law, but then he went behind the back and not only just put the same law in tweaked a little bit, but he added a little an additional tweet that said that this new law that he pushed through the lame duck legislature cannot be sub it is it is immune from any referendum attempt to repeal it okay and this is outrageous and the new law also contains what a lot of critics called quote a choose your poison uh, a choose-your-poison, uh, um, choose-your-poison um, part, okay, provision, and this choose-your-poison provision basically allows municipalities that were in financial difficulty they could choose between the following: either an emergency manager with all the dictatorship, bankruptcy, arbitration, where again corporate always wins or a consent agreement, which is basically a unilateral surrender. Consent agreement would lead to an emergency manager, no doubt, because, once again, you're surrendering. Arbitration, the arbitrators are better paid through the corporation, so the arbitrator would probably say you're going to get an emergency manager, and a bankruptcy judge, eh, who knows. Keep in mind what caused these communities from being so poor. In that same bill, there was nothing for these poor communities. The auto industry had collapsed, partially because of free trade agreements. And then there was an 86% corporate income tax cut that Snyder pushed through. That was from thinkprogress.org. And that Snyder pushed through in 2011. And that 86% corporate income tax was worth an estimated 1.7 billion per year. Do you think that could have helped out a lot? Sure. Okay. So once again, we're dealing with criminals. I'm just going to call it out for what it is. Okay. Um, again, you've got Mackinac Center throughout all of this. And again, what got me started on this soapbox tonight was seeing in my my feed, my news feed, one of the top stories, which was Mackinac Center people were whining because their FOIA request wasn't uh, responded to quickly. And that just set me off. Uh, you know, another Mackinac person named Jack McHugh, um, published a March 2012 column where he said that municipal budget problems, again, in these poor communities of color, he called them out as, quote, a cancerous fiscal malpractice, end quote. And he argued that the emergency manager law that Snyder pushed through with Mackinac was going to be the medicine that w- would provide, quote, the rigorous chemotherapy that would be needed to sustain the necessary functions of tapped out school districts and local governments, end quote. Okay, my response to Mr. McHugh, apparently having safe drinking water wasn't viewed as a human right by Mackinac. So this is the mess that we're dealing with. Okay, albeit this is not my most disciplined show. Um, I can't help it this time. Because we've discussed this before, I think this is our second or third show on this. And, you know, what happened in Flint can happen elsewhere very easily. First, it's really poor communities and communities of color. But next it's going to be communities that are considered more middle income. We cannot surrender our democracy to these people. And these think tanks need to be held accountable. They just need to be. So that's what we're dealing with here. And now, January 2021, there's an article by Anna Clark of ProPublica. And this is where we see that basically criminal charges and a class action settlement are coming Snyder's way. Now, we know now that Snyder has been charged and a few other people. And I'm glad. But everyone connected with the emergency emergency manager law in Michigan needs to be criminally charged and civilly sued. That includes all the lawyers that defended it. Everybody connected with Mackinac. Because once again, you can't tell me that a lot of their attorneys, many of which I'm sure went to Ivy League law schools, couldn't figure out that this was a direct attack on democracy itself. Okay? We know that it is. And even though, and I apologize that part of this, uh, this particular talk has been a bit redundant, but that's because you sit here and you just can't believe this is still going on. You just can't. Anybody can find themselves in a situation where they lose a job. We know because of the pandemic people that were financially at least self-sufficient now have lost their jobs, lost homes, people that never thought this would happen to them. The groups like Mackinac that push these type of anti-democracy laws are really traitors to the idea of democracy itself. The fact is the rich should have no more political power than the poorest of the poor. That's it, yeah, and local governments are the ones that they're going for because it's easier to attack. That's all. You know, again, I'm in Missouri, but we had a small taste of this, You know, with basically the state legislature and really two governors, one Republican and one Democratic that attacked and took over local school boards because the test scores weren't there. Now, I can see if you're with the school board, and let's say there was mismanagement. All right? Fine. You can replace the superintendent. If you think that the school board, for instance, the local school board that's been publicly elected was basically um, guilty of malfeasance, you don't need to throw out the election. You need to basically charge those people with malseasons and have a new election. You don't suspend democracy because of that. You just have a new election. This isn't rocket science. The fact is the rich have no right to strip us of democratic rule. None. They never did have that right and By God, I want to make sure they never will. And we need to hold these elected legislators accountable. Period. This nonsense has to stop. Otherwise, next time, the babies that get poisoned with lead through basically untreated water might be yours. So anyway, that's what we're dealing with tonight. And when we look at, we have a section of the show, which we call our environmental heroes, uh, our environmental heroes, villains, and zeros. And for this week, we have environmental villains. We're also villains against democracy, and that is the Mackinac Center. There is absolute, whether you're conservative or or progressive is irrelevant. There is no excuse, especially for attorneys that knowingly push anti-democracy laws and violate the conditions of their license to practice law as officers of the court. Every legislator that is also an attorney connected with this type of foul legislation needs to be permanently disbarred. Period. This isn't rocket science. That's what needs to happen. So, our environmental villains for tonight, Drum, roll, the Mackinac Center. And personally, I will name Lewis Schimmel. as foul as they are. I look forward to the day these people will be held both civilly and criminally accountable. So again, I apologize if I was a bit all over the place tonight. Sometimes it's hard because the people that were hurt the worst in this story were the babies. And to borrow a phrase, there's a special place in hell for those who would poison anyone's child. That's the environmental justice report for tonight. I'm Janine Moloff. Good night and God bless.